When you grow up with a dad who starts his own business, you're bound to absorb some of that entrepreneurial instinct. Brady Jolly was around his father's plumbing business as a kid, even appearing in a commercial for the company when he was in the fifth grade. Hi, my name's Brady Jolly, Vice President of Development for Jolly Plumbing. We're a flush piece of full house. When he was 25, Brady bought Jolly Plumbing from his dad. Within two weeks, nine of the 19 employees quit. But Brady was determined and had the drive and desire to succeed. I'm Rob Braun, and this is How You Make It, presented by Heritage Bank. Brady, thanks for coming in. We are so anxious to talk to you. You have such a wonderful story and one that uh, a lot of people can't tell. First of all, you wanted to do this, you said, for your entire life. You're not surprised that you end up with a business. Secondly, your second generation and second generation folks in businesses sometimes don't work. You're making it in that sense, too. Sure. So what in the world motivated you to buy your dad's business? Thanks for having me. Really excited about this. It is something I wanted to do my whole life. You know, I have four older sisters. A lot of the time it was, we were kind of thinking that maybe it'd be all of us or it would be kind of a family affair, you know? Yeah. And how it all worked out, a lot of my, my older sisters didn't want to, didn't really want to do this line of work. And by the time it came to me, you know, I was the last one. And I think my dad was really ready to, he was ready to retire and kind of move on to other things. And you know, that's, that was when I was about 21, 22 years old, getting out of, getting out of college. And so it's kind of all history from there. Did you ask your dad or did he tell you that it's time if you want to do this? It was kind of just assumed, like there wasn't this big, like conversation. Um, it was something we talked about even when I was in high school and honestly, even younger about, you know, the potential of the business, what it could become. I was always interested in like just what they were doing down there at the yeah. office, like what he did on a daily basis, how they made money, how they t- took care of customers. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't like this big climactic moment. It was just, Hey, I'm going to graduate from college and I'm going to start moving towards taking over this business and eventually buying it. But what was a big moment is when you bought it, nine guys walk off. That's a moment. That's potential disaster. How in the world do you overcome that? Sure. So that was actually when I was like 21, about to turn 22 years old. We had just made the announcement that I was now going to be the general manager. At that point, we were really planning to, hey, uh, in two or three, four years, I'll be buying the business. Yeah. You know, so we had this big kind of come to Jesus company meeting. We at that time were moving to a new office. The new office was a construction zone. But we have a we have a gym in our office. So at the time, it was what we were building out to be the gym. But it wasn't done yet. So it was just stud walls, insulation. And I kind of had a meeting with everybody to cast the vision of this is going to be a really good culture. We're going to have a basketball gym in our facility. It's going to be a cutting edge, nice looking facility. And that was all part of the image that we wanted to take the company to. In that, we, of course, with a ton of my dad's help, crafted a lot of bullet points about changes we were going to make, Yeah, you know, changes. And you got to imagine also this company been around for 35 years at the time, incredibly good reputation. Also a lot of stuck in their old ways, yeah. which could have been a good and a bad thing. Right. So these guys had been doing the same thing the same way for a long time. And Me, here comes the kid. Yeah. Eager, green as can be, but like a just ball of energy ready to make a million changes come into this meeting 
I think for about half the guys in the room and, and gals in the room, it was well received. And the other half, I, I don't know that it was. Yeah. So unfortunately, over the next short period of time, we either had to part ways with some guys or, or they left. And, you know, so here we were with a 35 year old company down to nine or 10, 11 guys. It, it was a stressful time. You yeah. know, it, that's one of those make or break times, right? Sure. It could yeah. have collapsed under your new leadership. But the cool thing was the guys that were there, the people that were there were bought in. And I think that they really liked the vision and they were ready for some change. Yeah. Uh, and we just kind of marched on from that moment forward. Yeah, to say the least. I mean, you are you have taken the business from where it was, which was substantial at the time, and you have grown it significantly. Is that safe to say? Yeah, we have. So um, we now have about 75 employees. We also have since started a cleaning and restoration company called Jolly Cleaning and Restoration, kind of a sister company that runs alongside Jolly Plumbing. We've then added HVAC department as well about three years ago. So now we're now Jolly Plumbing Drains Heating and Air. So yeah, we've expanded quite a bit. We have a really cool little office down there. I was telling you about the basketball court. We've now renovated our office, gosh, probably seven times in the last eight years. It seems like it's constantly under construction, adding offices and just making room for all the folks down there. Yeah. So how do you take a blue collar job, um, some days dirty? and turn it into something that's got a more modern kind of, you're talking about a classic, comfortable place to work. Well, these guys are working in the field. So how do they buy into that? It was difficult, you know, and that's been a long transition, but I'm definitely proud to say I think we're there now. Like part of our building, it's a really good depiction of what we wanted to do for the trade and do for our technicians and for our customers. Typically, there's a stereotype with a plumber, what you're going to get when you when you call a plumber to your house. Does that so, have anything to do with a crack? Exactly. Hey, the old <laughs> butt crack plumber, 100%. That was a stereotype we wanted to kind of break, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. we didn't want to be these, like, old, stinky, old guys with their butt crack out that you picture in plumbing. Yeah. We wanted to sharp-dressed, button-down shirt and khakis, clean, and an awesome truck that they're proud of with all the best tools, high-qualified technicians, really nice place to work, great office, professionals in the office. That's the experience that we've tried to build, and I think we have done that. And what we found is it attracts a different type of employee. Most of our employees now are people who weren't in the trades, didn't ever think they were going to be in the trades. You know, I often say you rarely – here, kid, when was the last time you asked a kid what they want to do when they grow up and they said plumber? Yeah. Probably yeah. never, right? Yeah. That's rare. It's usually a second or third or fourth choice. So a lot of our guys now have had whole different careers. You know, we have chefs. Um, we have guys that worked in factories. We have an IT web designer who's now a plumber. We have guys from various different backgrounds. And I think that's what makes it cool. Yeah. Um, and, and it really has been a it's been a good way to attract talent and, and grow and build professionals, not just tradesmen. A lot of the trades are hurting, frankly, with not enough guys. But what's starting to change that is it costs so much to go to college. And th- people are thinking, man, I can make a whole lot of money as a trade guy. And it's starting to turn, I think. Do you feel that in your look and search for new employees? 100 percent. Yeah. It's changing. When I took over the business, it was extremely difficult to find talent. Usually it was just all the plumbers in the area stealing from each other, and then somebody would leave and go to the next place, and you were constantly just sharing employees. There was a whole bunch of turnover. What we've done 
through the last eight or 10 years, if you ask anybody in the business, what's your number one challenge? Most of them are going to say it's finding people. Yeah. With our apprenticeship program, that's something that we've really changed with us. That's no longer one of our greatest challenges. It's actually through being able to attract people who never really thought they were going to be in the trades and kind of take them from other industries and show them that you can be a really good professional in this. It's not like this nasty job that the stereotype shows. We've been able to attract some really good talent. It's people who just really like taking care of customers' problems like that. They get joy out of that. You know, it's it's what feels really good about what we do. Uh, And those are the people we've been able to attract. And at least for us, we've seen that change tremendously. We have a wait list of folks now who want to work for us, who we, we can now have the benefit of kind of picking from that lot of people. I've seen time and time again in my life, people in your circumstance where you grow up in a business that's successful, your father started it, you're thinking about being a part of it, but often that guy doesn't have the drive or the passion that dad did to start it and frankly gets a little soft because dad's got a nice, bringing home a nice living or living in a nice house and they think they are deserving of the ride that your dad worked 35 years to build. How in the world did you live in that environment and didn't get caught up and figured out that you had to reinvent the business to cause it to grow? Man, yeah, that's been like a nightmare of mine that that would become me. That's something that uh, I've seen time and time again. And I think it starts with my parents, you know, their entrepreneurial attitude and growing up in that, it was always like, hey, how do we improve this? As, as big as the company got or all the other things they were doing, it was like, how do we keep improving? And it was like a passion of mine from a young age. Like, I want to I want to improve this and I want to make it amazing and I want to grow it like crazy. And it was just always that mindset that we're, we're going to take this thing to the next level. And I think that... Um, it's easy to get stagnant. You know, we've had a company that's had a good reputation. We could just go on cruise control, but we definitely see it as if we're not growing, you know, that means that we're not adding and bringing value to our employees and our customers. It's not an option for us not to grow. You know, we see the fruit of all the things that we're doing in the community and that we're able to do. And we have really aggressive growth goals over time that I think are going to bring some really cool things to a lot of lives, a lot of customers, a lot of employees and, and to the community. Do you think your ride has been easier or harder because of the manner in which you came in and took over? I often say my dad had his skill set was incredible and what he did, I could never have done. He was nose down, it was going to happen with or without everybody else. Regardless, he was going to like bulldog through problems and issues and do a lot of it himself. Yeah. My skill set has been more to grow the organization to the size it is now. We have to have a lot of talented folks involved. Uh, and we've been able to hire and attain and, and retain the, the talent that we need to grow to where we want to grow now. Yeah. So in that aspect, I think it's been more difficult from maybe a structure and strategy mentality type of way, but it's been easier from like nose in the grindstone every day, getting up and working 12 hours and being out in the field and doing the, doing everything yourself. Yeah. There, there is something to be said for at some point in the life of a business, if your attention is only doing the field, loading the truck, doing all the things necessary to care for the customer in the field and you, your attention is not a, thousand percent on the office and how to buy better and do things like that, that you're not, you're only going to grow so much. 
So it's interesting that you are you saw that apparently and came in and you worked the office side of the business to cause it to grow. We realized I realized very early on that we weren't going to grow to the, the way that we wanted to if I was the one that was out selling the jobs yeah. and checking on the crews. We had to put some structure in place to make sure that we had other people that could do that, you know, and we now have folks that do that are much better than I ever could be at that. Um, and to me, it was just the structures, policies, procedures. Um, this, like we call it the jolly way, just we have a structure and a way we do everything, everything from how we park the truck at a customer's house, what we say when we greet the customer, how we stock the trucks, when we stock the trucks, how they reorder, you know, every yep. little thing in the business. I think when you have a small business, it's, and it used to be this way. It was just, it was all feel. It was like, oh yeah, this is just how we've done it forever. That We're is gonna exactly keep right. Yeah. And now it's, you can't, you can't do that when you have 70 some folks. It, that just doesn't work. You'd be doing it 70 different ways, right? Yeah. We've been able to set up some really good structure and policies and procedures that, that work for us and work for the customer. I yeah. think. And people who grow up in that culture perpetuate it. 100%. And yeah. it, when people know what's expected of them and they have a way of doing things and they're taught on it and we train it properly, I th I think it makes it a lot easier and a more enjoyable place to be. You're not constantly worrying about, um, you know, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? You know, there's a, there's a playbook. When you talked about your father and uh, you mentioned your mother, sort of, because you said it was a, a team effort. Everybody had the same direction and dad was putting everybody on, on his back. Very much so. So in the house that I grew up in, there was a, it's the house I was born in actually, in the laundry room is where mom would sit in the morning. She was the dispatcher. She'd answer uh -huh. the phones. She was actually, she has a story. She was breastfeeding me, answering phones <laughs> and dispatching technicians out of the laundry room. Um, that's and, entrepreneurial. And that's just how, that's kind of how we grew up. You know, we had two lines at our house uh, and one was the plumbing line and one was the home line. When somebody would call, you never kind of really knew what line was ringing, you know, yeah. on the old phones pick up Jolly Plumbing. You know, that's how you'd pick up. And oftentimes there'd be, it'd be a service call. So, you know, we're five, six, seven, eight years old, <laughs> taking down notes and taking down a service call. For your dad. Oh, how fun is that? Yeah. But there's a lot of pressure for the family, right? Did you feel it? Did you feel some tension? I mean, there's ups and, ups and downs when you're starting a business. Yeah, you know, I mean, just the reputation that we've had, I think that's one of our greatest assets. Um, my dad did, like, he would do anything to make sure that the customer was satisfied at the end of the job. I yeah. think every company says customer service is what they're good at, but like we really embodied that. And I saw it firsthand growing up and that was pressure. Just, Hey, am I going to be able to build something when I'm not the one out there doing the work where we can uphold that same type of customer service and uphold that reputation? You hear about home service companies all the time that lose their reputation. That can be a disaster, right? So that was kind of the pressure, just learning like, man, how are we going to grow this and maintain this awesome quality of service that our customers are used to and maintain a really good good re reputation? I think we've done that. Well, I was told that you were flipping houses in college and then you decide to get involved with your dad's business and then you eventually buy it. There's a lot of money involved in that. So, so where in the world do you turn for that kind of dough? Yeah, well, I was um, entrepreneurial and trying to, you know, I was selling candy bars in middle school and high school and, you know, always trying to make a buck doing something or other. And in college, I got into, with my parents, they were flipping houses and doing that sort of thing. 
So I think I was a junior in college and I wanted to kind of do, I wanted to do my first by myself. That's when I met the folks at Heritage Bank. I had went to several banks to try to get a loan. And of course I was like 19, I think, or 20 and and no reason to ever give me a loan at that point. Yeah. But you didn't know it, right? I mean, you had to ask. Yeah, Yeah. of course. I didn't know that. Yeah. I was, I was eager and I thought, Hey, I'm, I'm good for it. You know, but that's just not how it works. Right. And (laughs) after meeting with several banks, Heritage, they treated me like incredible. Like, you know, for somebody who barely had any money in my checking account and young kid, it was like they were treating me super nice. Like they treat any, any other business owner. And, um, we talked about, you know, Hey, I'm going to eventually be maybe taking over this business and, and end up, they, they gave me a loan to buy that first, that first house that I ended up flipping. And that was really where the relationship started with heritage. And we're still with them today, 12, 13 years later. And it's just been an awesome relationship. So it goes both ways. I mean, you're supportive of them. They are supportive of of you. Very much so. I think in banking especially, and I think in all businesses, it's the local hometown feel is harder and harder to find. That's my favorite part about Heritage. You know, I can call up several people there at Heritage now and call them um, right on their direct line and get right through to them, and we get questions answered very quickly. And I think that in banking, that's just hard to do nowadays. So Brady, a flush beats a full house. Where in the world did that come from? <laughs> My uh, that came from the early '80s. You know, we used to have several slogans growing up. We we even had a few different slogans. We had one of them, I think, was um, "We repair what your husband fixed." That was another. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. And true, I'm sure. Sure, yeah. yeah. So there was some there was some other ones, but that was the one that stuck growing up. My dad had saw uh, seen it, or an employee of his had seen it when they were in Florida on an old truck, and it it just stuck. There was a guy who would come back then. You know, of course now we have vehicle wraps. It's just right. you know the vinyl. Back then you painted the trucks. So my dad would have this guy, and he was a real artistic guy. He'd come out and he'd paint all the trucks. So when when dad started doing the flush beats of full house, he'd paint that on the truck and in our Jolly logo, he painted what is now still part of our logo, the Jack holding a wrench. And that's where that came from. Ah, that is so, I love hearing that. (laughs) So for those of us hacks who think we can do our own plumbing uh, because we can start a torch, you know, the wrong kind of torch, but it's a torch (laughs) nonetheless. Do you find that a lot? Do you go in and fix a lot of the messes that the rest of us make? Yes. <laughs> I mean, sure. in more ways than one, I guess. The yeah. YouTube plumber, uh, for sure. You know, there's <laughs> you can look up anything on the Internet and how to fix things, and sometimes they're not necessarily the right way. Yeah. You, you know, mean that, the truth is not on the Internet? Come on. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? Yeah, so a lot of the jobs that we go to have, yeah. have been fiddled with by somebody else before we try it. So you must have a supportive family of your own now? Yeah, so I got married a year and a half ago. No kids yet, but we live right here in Fort Thomas. So in my whole family, all my sisters, my parents, we're all still right here in Campbell County. And did your wife buy in? I mean, you got to have a wife who buys in. Absolutely. The job doesn't go away when you own it, does it? Nope. She loves it very much. So she's in the marketing world with her job. And so she is constantly giving her two cents and has got some really good ideas. She's like so good with culture and just people problems and different things like that. So she's super supportive when it comes to that sort of thing. Good for you. Brady Jolly, thanks very much for coming in. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. 
Presented by Heritage Bank, member FDIC. Ian Addington is a commercial loan officer at Heritage Bank. Would you say that we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this area? Uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, and it, 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 you think about, you know, the greater Cincinnati market. Um, I mean, there's really a lot of, you know, talented entrepreneurial people in this area. And um, there's a lot of small homegrown businesses that end up getting into becoming bigger businesses. And there's a lot of people that, you know, the decision maker is right there getting their hands dirty every day doing what they do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that, that, that this area is particularly rich with that. I think so, too. I, I, we're not having trouble finding people who want to start a business or who have. Absolutely. Um, and it's gratifying. I mean, there are a lot of family businesses in Cincinnati compared to a lot of other cities that you don't see uh, in other cities. And I think it's because there's that spirit here. I don't know if it's because there are a lot of immigrants here or what it is, but people who, you know, they bring something from the old country or from wherever they grew up. And I don't know. I just... I think you you also see, you know, if you if you think of the, the Cincinnati businesses that Cincinnati's known for, you know, there's a lot of them that have been in business for 150 years, uh, you know, and those are really neat to see that, you know, multiple generations have come through and led the business. You know, occasionally we go out on call days where we'll go and, and visit businesses and stuff like that. And it's always really exciting to see you know, my grandfather founded this business and now I'm running it and then my son's going to take over when I'm done. And we, we do see a lot of that around here. 